It's episode 180 of Leading Ladies of Corpus Christi, and I'm so excited to be talking to my next guest. Her name is Hallie Castro. She's a published poet and author, um, which I'm really excited to talk about. So you wrote the Aquawell Chronicles, and you also published a poetry collection, which is available on Amazon. It's called Neuromuscular, a poetic exploration of identity in dystonia. So we're going to dive into that, and I already have a copy in my... Uh, Amazon cart and I will be purchasing it when I get paid on Friday like so stoked for this and of course to support you um you were also a part of a city of Corpus Christi initiative for disability book week um you, you have a lot going on you're a disability advocate I mean just a, a ton so thank you so much for being here today yeah of course thank you for having me I'm so excited um yeah, you, you know a lot more about my projects than I've <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, so our mutual friend, Jen Gracia, who was also a guest on the podcast, she and I stay in touch. Um, not as much as I would like, but that's just life, right? Everybody's busy. Mm-hmm. And um, on occasion, she'll be like, hey, how are you? Hope you're good. Um, I met this really amazing person, and I think that they should be on your podcast. And she does this, this, this. I mean, literally, like, paragraphs talking about how amazing you are. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so great. She's amazing. And I'm also like, why have I never heard of you before? You know what I mean? And it's one of those things where... I'm constantly learning about really incredible people in our community. And so ultimately that's the point of this. You know what I mean is, Hey, Mm -hmm. you're doing amazing things and people need to know about it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, thrilled. So when it comes to writing, was it something that you always kind of gravitated to like from a young age or did you kind of pick it up later in life? How did that come to be? Oh man, that's such a good question. Um, I feel like, I think the more impressive thing to say would be if I were like, oh, yeah, I've always written. I was, you know, I was like when I was a kid, I was a writer. Um, But the answer is actually no. I um, didn't pick it up until my senior year of high school. Um, I was very actually anti-reading when I was younger. I was like, I will not pick up a book. That's boring. I was like all about, you know, hanging out with my friends, being cool and stuff. (laughs) But... Uh, yeah, when I was, um, actually, um, the reason that I'm a disability advocate uh, is because I have my own personal, uh, struggle with a neurological condition called dystonia. Um, and I actually think that the, my journey through like diagnosis and stuff like that, um, pushed me towards seeking people that looked like that went through things that I went through. Um, and I found that in literature, Oh, wow. Um, yes. Yeah. So um, I, I found sort of that solace in literature. And then out of that came this sort of need for catharsis in writing. And so I started picking up poetry um, and it just sort of, you know, tumbled from there into this really beautiful thing that I do that I really enjoy. Yes. Uh, what an amazing story, right? Because, yeah, um, I think it's cool whenever people kind of they're their life is kind of like on a certain trajectory. For instance, yours being like, I don't like to read and I'm not going to do it and it's boring and what am I going to get out of it? To suddenly being like, wait a minute, you know, this is actually really therapeutic for me, you know, like you said, and then ultimately finding a voice with your own writing, you know? And so did it start off as kind of like creative writing whenever you finally put like pen to paper or fingers to keyboard, you know, or... um, (laughs) Because, you know, nowadays, like, you know, write, writing totally in, entails uh, or includes, you know, typing on a computer. You know what I mean? It's mostly typing. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Um, um, yeah. So um, 
did it start you said did it start as creative writing yeah yeah um, like how, how ultimately how did you decide like hey I think I want to put my thoughts out there or maybe start writing like a story or you know what I mean like how did it kind of come to fruition in that way yeah it started as poetry for me um and I think that a lot of teenagers go through that phase of like I'm gonna be a poet I'm gonna write poetry because it's poetry is something that's uh, really beautiful because it's completely subjective and it's extremely emotional yes. in nature. Um, and teenagers are emotional and, uh, Oh, absolutely. You know, like like feel the raw, like your own. And, oh yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was a very emotional teenager. So I, I really got into this idea of, um, you know, putting my feelings out on the page and doing something beautiful and creating something beautiful out of pain. And, um, I think that that sort of flowered, um, into this really, um, just a love of storytelling, because I think one of the most beautiful things about poetry is that you can take these little snapshots of life and you can take these, um, seemingly insignificant ideas and create a narrative and create, um, a story that will be compelling to somebody, um, and so, yeah, I got into storytelling that way. Um, and so that led into the creative writing side of it, where I was like, well, I could write stories. I could write a book. I could write short stories. And um, what really happened was I decided to get my English degree, which is what I'm working on now. I'm, I'm wrapping up on that. Oh, well um, done. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my last year. Uh, fingers crossed, knock on wood. Oh, no, <laughs> you, you got this, girl. You're in the home stretch. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but, um, yeah, so I ended up going to get my English degree and they encourage you to take creative writing classes. I'm doing like a writing studies track. Um, and so you go into these classes and they expect short stories and things like that. And, um, I really found myself in science fiction, mm -hmm. believe it or not. <laughs> if you had asked me a couple years ago what genre I'd be writing, I would not have said science fiction. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but that's what I think but is that's... so cool about you is that a lot of what you're being compelled to do is so uh, uncharacteristic of like the person yeah. you were. You know what I mean? It's neat and unexpected. Yeah, yeah I get I get sidetracked a lot. <laughs> um yeah, but I, I found um, a love of creating something new and creating something uh, that I could use to tell a story and, and get a thought across and um, hopefully connect with people. I think that that's really where I find the, the most, like writing is the most compelling for me in that it's such a beautiful way to connect with others. Truly. Um... I don't know how many books I've read where the way somebody writes a sentiment or describes mm -hmm. something that they're feeling or whatever, I'm like, yes, like the written word has so much power. And I promise mm -hmm. as, as somebody who did grow up reading and, and enjoy it, um, anything anybody writes will resonate. Like there will always be an audience for sure. Yeah. Um, especially for your series, um, your stories, which we're going to get into in a little bit. I'm su super <laughs> excited to talk about it. It's so exciting and really inspiring. So, okay. I want to go back a little bit to the dystonia, right? And how this kind mm -hmm. of um, influenced the collection of poetry that is on the market right now. And so what was mm -hmm. the mindset behind 
having this collection of poems and putting them out there about something that is a part of your life regularly? Sure, yeah. So um, I guess first I'll just tell you what dystonia is. Yes, thank um, you. It's a neurological condition that um, sort of causes your brain to send incorrect signals to your muscles, um, causing them to sort of push against each other. Um, and that'll cause uh, like postures in your hands. So like, uh, or in your limbs for me, uh, it's all over. I have a generalized version. Um, and it just causes like painful muscle spasms basically. Um, and so, um, it's a rarer, uh, disease or it's not a disease. It's a rarer, um, disorder. Mm -hmm. That's a better word for it. Um, it's a rarer disorder. So, um, with my poetry collection, I found myself thinking the idea didn't come from dystonia. It came from me wanting to put something out there and put a, a body of work out there. And when I sat with myself and I thought, well, what do I have that's important to say? Or what do I have that if I could, if I could convey one thing to an audience, what would it be? If I wanted people to know one thing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think for me that that is um, just to make sure that people understand the humanity in disability. Um, because I think that with something like disability, you can't understand it unless you've been in its shoes. Um, and because of that, people harbor a lot of mixed feelings about it. People will get hostile because they don't understand it, or people will get unfeeling because they don't understand it. So for me, I thought poetry is such a beautiful way to convey emotion. What if I was able to convey struggle um, at this level, um, at such a personal, internal level that you can't escape, you know? Um, so I thought, well, I'll just write a poetry collection that humanizes struggle and humanizes disability. So that that's really my goal with that collection is that people read it and leave it with a changed perspective on pain and chronic pain and um, maybe just a little bit more respect and a little bit more humanity towards it. Thank you for saying that because you're so right that a lot of people kind of because they don't understand it, that they are affected in some kind of way and they don't, they really don't want to delve into it either. I think it's like a fearful mm -hmm. thing for them. So oh, it's so taboo. Yes. People are like, Oh, we don't have to talk about it. And it's like, well, we do because if we don't talk about it, then nobody cares. <laughs> that a hundred percent. That, that is so true. Mm -hmm. And, um, sometimes I feel like people need to be made uncomfortable so they can understand yes. like, this is what's going on, you know, um, Here's the reality of it. And truthfully, I consider myself well-read, and I had never heard of dystonia until I read the title of your poetry collection. And then, of course, I'm like, okay, well, what is dystonia? And then that's when I learned what it was. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so just that alone, just you're putting that out there and not hiding the fact that this is what the poetry collection, you know, kind of, like there's a theme there. Um, I learned mm -hmm. something, you know what I mean? So well so done. Glad. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. That's why I'm like, I can't wait to... to purchase this so you know I, I need to have it on my shelf and um <laughs> I just think it's incredible that you were like oh, first of all that you were able to narrow it down in, in such a way because I think a lot of people would look at making a poetry collection and publishing it as a huge undertaking which it is but you put mm -hmm. it in a how you uh handled it by saying okay what do I have to say like if there's one thing that I can convey and I think that that's actually a really nice kind of starting point for putting something together or even starting mm -hmm. uh, a collection. So 
Oh yeah. I think that's the first thing you should think with any project that you're putting out there because you can't guarantee that anybody's going to sit down and read the whole thing. Right. You know, so you have to think, um, and that's not to say that you can't put a bunch of ideas into something, but you have to think like, um, well, what am I trying to say? I think it all comes down to, for me, it's uh, intentionality, just with what I'm putting out there and uh, who I am uh, in the public eye is uh, something that I do very intentionally. Yeah, you know, you can tell, uh, yeah, very much so um, in everything that you do. So when it comes to putting yourself out there, because to me, poetry is so, like you said, personal. Is there any... Mm -hmm reservations about being that vulnerable you know because people oh, yeah. are seeing a side of you <laughs> that is just like okay innermost thoughts feelings you know whatever yeah um and I mean there are even things that I look back I flip through the collection now and I'm like oh, why did I say that but <laughs> uh no I think um the biggest hurdle of putting out such a personal and introspective collection was the thought of Oh my gosh, everybody that I know is going to read this and know everything that I've written in it about me. Um, and so anytime that I, okay, so because my disorder is hideable. Mm-hmm. It's something that I, I do hide in my, my day-to-day life. Um, not that I'm, I, I talk about it constantly now that I've got the collection out, but before it was something that was very private um, and very much like, I have visible physical symptoms, but they happen in my hands and they happen in my legs. So they're things that I could tuck under the table, um, you know, cover that sort of thing. And I always have. Um, so putting this collection together, I had to sort of reckon with myself. Um, will I be okay if this changes the way that people view me, you know, and like, will I be able to survive this if people judge it and if people are uncomfortable with it? Um, and I've been really blessed in that. Um, I have not had any negative reactions to it. How could Everybody anybody that has talked to me has uh, really enjoyed it? Yeah. Um, like, how could anybody have a ne- negative reaction to it? You know what I mean? I just don't even get me started on that. But carry on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I think <laughs> because it's something that in your life, when you have your hands that are doing things that are not normal and that would look uncomfortable and ugly to the naked eye who doesn't know what's going on with you um it's it's hard to reckon with yourself that sort of like am I really just gonna tell everybody this and then so what I did was I actually leaned into it more um because I'm all about confidence and I'm all about you know putting myself out there it's a big thing for me so um that's why um if you've seen the cover that's why the cover is a bunch of contorted hands yes um I don't know if that's a really pretty way to put it, but <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's describing because, it perfectly. Yeah. Um, it's because I just wanted to, I didn't want there to be any secrets about it. I wanted it to be what it was. Uh, I wanted it to be sort of this, I didn't want to have the option of hiding it anymore. You know, I wanted it to be like, this is what's going on because if I'm going to put myself out, out there like that, and if I'm going to spread this message and be this advocate, then what message am I spreading if I'm hiding things and I'm being publicly embarrassed of myself? What a, okay. (laughs) I'm I'm blown away, right? I'm like trying to gather my thoughts. And also (laughs) you already know that I have a tendency to use words that maybe aren't the most appropriate, but you're a badass, okay? Like bad (laughs) because 
I mean, the kind of grit that it takes to like, just be like, you know what, this is who I am and we're going to be real. And if I'm going to be an advocate, I take that responsibility seriously. And there's no way that I'm going to be like, oh, be confident, put yourself out there and then not do the same. Like you have, you can tell very much that you're, have like the utmost integrity. Like I'm going to lead the way I'm going to put myself out there so you can see it's okay. It's all right. Like we're going to be okay. Despite what may come as a result of it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's exactly what I was trying to do for sure. Okay. So, you know, a lot of people say they're advocates, not that, not that they aren't, but a lot of times their advocacy is kind of just, I don't know. It's more of like an online thing, but like you are (laughs) actively being an advocate, like getting out there. Um, you know, you were involved with the city initiative for the, is it disability book week? And uh, so how did all that come to be? You know what I mean? Where you are kind of like, hey, I think that this is important for people to, you know, read literature put together by, you know, authors with disabilities and that kind of thing. Because honestly, that never even crossed my mind. And I'm like, okay, now that I'm seeing this, (laughs) it makes perfect sense. Like, why aren't we talking more about this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my perspective was completely changed in high school by this book. Um, it was called Holding Up the Universe by Jennifer Neven. Um, and it's this really great uh, young adult book. Um, and it's about this boy who is going through the diagnosis process of a neurological condition. Um, and I read that while I was going through the process of a diagnosis with a neurological condition. Um, and it wasn't the same condition, but it was um, enough of the same process that it was very... Um, comforting to me. I found a lot of comfort in that, uh, at that time in my life. Um, and I just adored that book so much. And I didn't understand why until I was older, um, this sort of sense of camaraderie that I had with this main character and things like that. Um, but I've always taken that through with me into my work. Um, that idea of like young me was so changed by that representation of my, my struggle in my life that, I can't help but want that for other people. And I can't help but want that for other kids that are going through the same thing. So um, I was approached by Mary, um, who is running the Disability Book Week um, charge. You know, (laughs) she approached me on Instagram uh, to be one of her featured authors. Um, And then through that, she connected me with Jen Gracia. Um, which was great because I love her so much. Um, yeah, so that, she but, you know, is she a, put us together. one of a kind. Yeah, <laughs> she sure is. Um, yeah, and so she invited me to the committee for um, the Corpus Christi Committee for People with Disabilities. Yes. Um, and so we together put together this uh, proclamation. Sorry, I was looking for the word. <laughs> we put together this proclamation and, uh, you know, um, the committee brought it to the um, the city council and we were able to get it passed um, and have a proclamation read for the city um, that just sort of declared um, that the Disability Book Week to be a holiday in Corpus Christi, which was a really fun process. Um, and just like such a cool thing that I'm so glad that I got to do. For sure. And that was this past April, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm wondering, I'm, well, I'm hoping that it's going to be something that's kind of done every year you know what I mean so oh absolutely it should be um and we have plans to do it bigger next year we want to get you know libraries putting up um 
you know, table displays and things like that, bookstores, that sort of thing. Go to the go to the books, go yes. to the schools, maybe. I love that. Okay, because you're definitely thinking like grander and uh, yeah, that, that's the perfect way to do that. I want to go back to something you said earlier that I think is really important to emphasize. When you said you read that book and just having that kind of representation really, uh, you know, helped you uh, as a younger version of yourself. And I feel like, there are certain, you know, groups that maybe feel that representation like isn't as important, you know, as other people want it to be. But like here you are like living, breathing, saying, hey, me reading this book when I was a kid really influenced how I felt. And I think ultimately had a hand in your deciding to pursue writing as well. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that as authors and as writers, we have a responsibility in the literature that we're putting out to be as careful as possible, because I think that there's a lot of actually damaging literature Mm -hmm. um, that portrays disability in a not so great light. And so whenever I pick up a book that has this really great, really like thought out intentional portrayal of a person with disabilities, just experiencing their life. I think that's such a beautiful and important thing. And I think those are the authors that we should be lifting up. And those are the people that we should be putting the spotlight on because when you are impressionable and you're in a a horrible trial in your life, finding things out about yourself that um, are not necessarily bad, but are telling you that your life is not going to go how you planned. um, You're, it puts you in this spot where whatever you're going to internalize is what's going to, is how you're going to feel about your situation. So if you're looking at literature about people that look like you that are, that have hope and that are moving on to, to do great things and that are enjoying their lives and, you know, not stuck because um, a lot of literature portrays us as stuck uh, in our situations and, you know, uh, Yeah, so I think that authors have this responsibility that um, a lot of people are not aware of. And so in in my sort of push for representation, I'm also pushing for responsible representation um, because our community gets misrepresented, I think, a lot. Yeah. No, and I really like that you made that distinction, responsible representation. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Truthfully, I think I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm significantly older than you. And I've also found myself saying that to a lot of people lately, but I'm significantly older than you. And looking back on some of the things I consumed, whether it's movies, literature, whatever, what you're saying is a thousand percent true. And um, you realize now as you're grown, like, wow, like they really just, just did just kind of pigeonhole this population with like a few generalities that weren't very flattering mm-hmm. at all and uh yeah it's it's wild you know what I mean because in retrospect I'm like man how did people get away with that and it's lazy I feel like it's just lazy <laughs> you know people with disabilities have um you know full lives with you know uh mm-hmm. their own their own things going on they're not stuck you know um well said yeah I, I like that a lot um so I want to talk about the and uh, am I saying it right Aquawell Chronicles Yes, it's a made-up word. So okay, what I want to know. Be, okay, first of all, so this is a space pirate story, right? Which is immediately yeah. intriguing. Okay, and the Akowell is the ship that 
they're on. Okay. Um, so I know that you were influenced by Star Trek, like the original mm-hmm. series, right? And that's kind of how, mm-hmm. you know, you were um, inspired to kind of start like a, like more of a sci-fi series. But like, yes, you know, actually developing like your main character, like Atticus and, you know, all, all the, all the different characters and, um, you're a planet of the week kind of, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's the word structure structure? Yeah. I mean, so, so like, how, you know what I mean? Like I know ideas tend to start off as like a little seed, but like, and most people will just kind of be like, okay, that was a cool idea and move on. But you're like, no, I have to act on this. And so I, I want to know like how this how it came to be essentially because it's so fun based on what I've read thank you absolutely yeah um I tend to get an idea and then I get obsessed with that idea and I have to see it through um and oh boy I wish I had more time to work on that project because I would love to keep posting installments to it um but yeah, how did I come up with that project? That was a great question. <laughs> well, and I love that. Not to mention the fact that you're somebody who, if you get an idea, you become obsessed with it. Some people like me on occasion can be like, I don't know, I'm kind of scared. I don't know how to make this happen. So I'm just going to kind of like try to forget it. And you're like, nope, like both feet in, like we're doing this. Oh yeah. I'm going to research it. I, I, like I'm either going to just do it or I'm going to research until I know how to do it. <laughs> so I think about it. Um, yeah, so I was inspired by the platform, honestly, that I was posting on, um, which is a Campfire Writing, um, which is like a, a writing software. Um, but they had come out with this uh, Explore page that you could post your stories onto. And I was like, oh, well, that could be fun. So I started to think of ideas and I was like, um, well, I could do a series of short stories because I'm already, I'm working on a novel, um, like, <laughs> tell me sorry. more because I did not know this so please tell me more I'm sorry I like I said tangents so you know um, tell me everything that you're willing to tell me yeah <laughs> so uh what I what I can tell you about the novel is that um I'm almost done with the first draft um and hope to seek publishing for it and um, that's also a sci-fi project um it's more of a post-apocalyptic um dystopian YA okay. story okay. Uh, that I'm really looking forward to. It sounds already really intri- intriguing. Looking yeah. forward to that. <laughs> Very you. good. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I was already working on my novel project. So I was like, I, I don't really want to start another novel. So I thought short stories is something that I can post and then sort of come back to when I have the time. Um, and that has been what it's been, uh, which is really fun. Um and so I had thought of, I want, you know what it was? I really just was like, I want to do something with space pirates. <laughs> That's really where it came from. I love it. Um, and so I sort of developed this idea of the ship and the crew first. And then, you know, you get to, well, wh- who's this story about? What's the compelling uh, thing here? So um, I got into this idea of Atticus, who is sort of a he has like a boring life and he's grown up on a farm and he's, you know, never seen the world, but he wants to see the stars, you know, kind of guy. Um, so he does this gutsy thing and stows away on this ship. Um, and then finds out that, um, he actually can communicate with other species, uh, just by speaking to them in a way that nobody else can. Wow. So he becomes this invaluable asset to, um, this ship. Uh, and that's how he gains his, 
way onto this uh, crew. That is cool. Like, so I actually read an interview that you did on Campfire. What is it called? Yeah. Campfire writing. And uh, Mm -hmm. you had mentioned, you know, like really trying to, to keep like the pace of the story up because the captain of the ship would never just take Atticus on just as is, you know, like she's hardcore about keeping her ship right. And so mm-hmm. pl- toying with ideas about how to really make him someone who would be invaluable to her. And I thought that that was yeah. so neat that you were, you were literally talking about it as though it was like a puzzle piece you were trying to fit. And it was cool to like get into your process. Yeah, it really is just like sort of figuring out those puzzle pieces because um, in the sort of planning and plotting process, um, you're sort of going through, well, I've got this ship. Okay, well, a ship needs a captain. So we'll we'll plot out the captain and the, this captain's going to be, uh, you know, she's a woman, so she's got to be intense so that her crew will, you know, respect her. And yep. so um, I've got this character and she's this way. And so I come up with my main character character and I'm like, oh, we've got a hole here. How do we, how do we fill this hole? Yeah. So um, why would she let this random kid onto her ship? Um, and so I sort of came up with the idea that they're struggling to, um, they, they fulfill these um, sort of tasks to different planets. They go to different planets, every story and um, fill, fill their needs, whatever they need uh, for a price. Yeah. And so I was like, well, maybe they're struggling to communicate with people on different planets. And so they need a translator. Um, and I'm, I'm big on like language and for sure. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a writer. So yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I geek out about linguistics and stuff. So I was like, oh, what if this guy just can hear every species when they speak their language and he speaks his language, they can just talk to each other. Um, and what an amazing and- skill to have because I'm speaking the same language as people I work with and I feel like we are not communicating. Like, you know what I mean? We're not <laughs> Boy, saying yeah. the same thing. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fantastic just to understand people right away? Yeah, because, yeah, no, I like I identify with that trait so much. And another thing that I think is neat is that you call him an anomaly. Like, it's like a designation. Mm-hmm. He's considered an anomaly. And, uh, like, almost like he has, like, special abilities kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, I like um, that designation. Yeah, so, yeah, in the story, there's, like, this um, idea that there are these rare people that have these abilities that are just kind of unexplainable yeah and he's one of them yeah no I, I think that's really neat and um you know I couldn't help kind of tying it to you know maybe you know people with uh disabilities right and how they have something like special about them and it manifesting into Atticus as well like I like in my mind kind of made that correlation I thought it was like a neat little parallel I guess Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I thought that that was really neat. And so whenever you, so to anybody who's listening, um, Hallie has a a link in her profile so you can actually see, you know, where she has, um, uh, where you can go to actually read the Aquawell Chronicles and also a link to Mm -hmm. to Amazon to buy the poetry book. But so whenever you go to the Aquawell Chronicles, which by the way, how did, so you said it's a made up word, but like, how did you come up with that? (laughs) Oh man, this is gonna totally expose me. But I oh, you don't have to tell me if sure. you don't want to. No, no, no. It's okay, okay it's funny. <laughs> um, I, whenever I'm making up words for sci-fi stuff, I totally go on those like sci-fi fantasy name generators and I just click the button until something comes up that I like. Why not? Um, That's how Childish Gambino yeah. got his rapper name. I heard <laughs> he went to like a rap works, name generator. So, yeah. Well. Hey, I exactly. 
Um, <laughs> so, uh, oh, okay. So when you go to look at the Aquawell Chronicles, there's actually like illustrations there. So like, mm-hmm. there's an illustration of Atticus and who, who did that? Or like, how does that work? Does the website generate it? Like, how does that happen? Uh, I, I did those. Really? That's all my artwork. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you also illustrate. A little bit, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a professional or anything, but... Um, well, it looked amazing to me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know enough to get by. But still, being able, like, say, if you ever did want to do an illustrated book, you could probably do your own, and that would be amazing, because I feel like, yeah. <laughs> as a writer, if you were to ever collaborate with an illustrator, like, y'all, you know, it's almost like you'd have to interview them to confirm that they had the vision you have of the characters you created, you know? Yeah, that's actually, like, a crazy process from what I hear um I you know illustrators uh they get like paid different and it's usually don't get a lot of communication there so I actually probably would struggle with losing that control over my story so maybe maybe that's why I'm I learned how to draw no joke (laughs) you're like I'm just gonna illustrate on my own actually I think that's amazing (laughs) because then there's really nothing holding you back you know what I mean like you you can take care of it um that is cool. And I, I, I continue to learn new things about you. And so when it comes to developing a character like Atticus Fleet, is he mm-hmm. inspired by anybody, you know, in your life? Or is he kind of like a composite of like fictional and non-fictional characters? You know what I mean? Like, how does how does that happen? How do you create a, a person? I think that it, it's really all of the above. Um, I will say on the record right now, though, that none of my characters are inspired by real people. <laughs> um, no, but, um, yeah, I would say that it's really a process of just coming up with character traits that will serve your plot and applying them to a person. Um, but also the fun stuff you get, like, um, maybe this is a character that I admired, as a kid that I really like, you know, liked, and then, you know, other characters that you like, you sort of pull traits from different things that you've seen in your life. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that, um, they say not to do this in writing, but I think that a lot of my characters tend to get a little piece of my personality. <laughs> why do accident. they say not to do that? Hmm? Why do, why do, is it advised not to put parts of your own personality in a character oh you know they say it's lazy oh really (laughs) Uh, but I feel like you're then you're really speaking from something you know you know what I mean yeah oh I'm totally uh all for it yeah yeah you're all forget (laughs) the rules or the guidelines yeah drop the rule book yeah (laughs) which brings me to my next point so uh, or line of questioning so in that same interview you did with campfire writing you had talked about how you had at first were trying to kind of write modern realistic fiction and it wasn't really working out, but you were kind of trying to stick toward what you thought a novel should be. And yeah. please share that with the listeners. Cause I thought that this was really interesting how you were kind of just like, you know what? No. Like, what do I mean? What a novel should be like, I'm going <laughs> to do what's right for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was a huge hurdle that I had to get over um, with my with my writing. And it's kind of along the same vein of what we were talking about with my poetry book of like, everything that I put out there, 
is revealing this huge part of me, right? Yep. Um, and when you put like all this work into something, it feels like your baby and it feels like you just, you don't want to let it go and you don't want to let anything happen to it. So you have this fear um, of like, well, what if people hate it? Or, you know, what if this is too out there, too weird? Um, I am at the a place in my career right now or in my writing where I don't feel like anything is, any idea is not worth chasing down um, because as a novice writer, I felt like I needed permission to write and I needed permission to say that I had things to say. Um, and so I didn't feel like I could do things like create whole worlds and, and come up with these crazy ideas about, you know, speculative fiction and science fiction. I thought people would think I was weird. I thought, you know, all of this stuff that wasn't true because when I actually stepped out and did these things, people really enjoyed it. And we had, I was able to have a lot of fun um, doing it and putting it out. And the quality of my work changed like that because I was, I went from keeping myself in this box of fear of judgment and fear of being exposed um, and things like that, uh, like a, like a nerve, you know? Oh yeah. Um, and then I, you, I feel like you can see the transition in my work. Um, if you were to read that old stuff that is not out there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody would be able see to it. see the transition to me really enjoying myself and getting into these like um, ideas that I love. And I'm just really enjoying expanding on. Um, did that answer your question yeah, properly? Yeah, no, it, it definitely did. Um, because I think a lot of times people, myself included, can get caught up in how things are supposed to go or this is what, mm. I mean, because this is the, on top of mind, this is what a novel should look like or how it should be received yeah. um, or what, you know, should be the subject. A lot of shoulds. A friend of mine said, don't, mm -hmm. sh don't should on yourself. And uh, I, I, I like that a lot. That's Natalie from The Ruffian, by the way. Na that's Natalie's thing. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? P people get caught up in it. But you were able to break out of that cycle, and now you've truly found your voice and truly found your style, which I think a lot of people struggle with. You know what I mean? Even in, like, their day-to-day. -day. Yeah. Um, my mom always told me, fake it till you make it. <laughs> um, when it comes to confidence, you know, just if you want to be confident, then just do it just, you know, yes. be scared and still do it. Yes. Um, and that's, that's what I've, uh, I've always credited her for that part of me, that sort of great confidence that I have to put things out there is because of her, um, just championing me my yes. entire life. But, Shout uh, out mom. That's so, that's so big. And, and I love it whenever my guests or anybody I meet have that kind of support from, you know, their family unit, you know what I mean? Mm. That that's major. Um, and that can make such differences and what, you know, what you decide to do, because something you said earlier that I really liked is you, you said, I never have an idea that I don't think is worthy of putting out there, like at least exploring, you know, like seeing like yeah. it's potential, you know? Yeah. Because I think that, um, another old adage of the, the writing community is that everything has been said before, yes. but not by you. Yes. You know, uh, so um, I think that if you've got an idea and you've got something you want to put out there, absolutely like look into it, start creating it, start putting it together because somebody wants to see it. Somebody wants to hear it. Somebody wants to read it, whatever you're putting out there. There's a, there's an audience for it. There's somebody who's going to enjoy it. 
Uh, we, you said that earlier. <laughs> I, well, no, but I'm like, yes, like, thank you for saying that. You know what I mean? Because you've actually put written works out into the world. Like there is, yeah. and there's been people who are like, yes, this is great. Like, please continue doing this, you know, because there's always an yeah. audience. There is always people who are buying what you're selling. Not literally, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Lots of people have enjoyed the space pirates. <laughs> well, right. And I thought that was not going to go anywhere. <laughs> really? No. But, and I love that you uh, were like, is it too weird? I, I struggle with that sometimes because I am a strange bird. And, you know, and then it's like, as I've gotten older, nothing is ever too weird. Like ever. Some yeah. of the cinema I've seen, the movie or the books I've read, short stories, articles, whatever. Nothing is ever too weird, you know. But uh, I again, people can get kind of caught up in that, you know, appearances and well, you know, I don't want to rock the boat too much or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, to hear these words come out of your mouth and for you to be so, you know, like sure of your process and your ideas and, and things like that. Um, I'm definitely taking note cause I can, I can question, you know, ideas or kind of be like, well, that doesn't make sense and not really give it the time of day, you know, but like, so what's your process for actually, starting something so you get an idea you said you probably do some research and so when does the research kind of yield to like okay I'm ready to to get started you know I think I generally start while I'm doing the research <laughs> um I think um and you just mean any project in general or yeah. my writing project yeah writing um yeah so for the book uh the poetry book that I put out um, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to try to publish it on Amazon because why not? You know, it yes, seems like worth a shot. For sure. <laughs> um, so I really just, I immediately started writing it and compiling it. And then while I was writing it, I was doing research on, well, how do you upload things to Amazon and how do you make a book cover? Because I did the, the artwork on the book cover as well. So, wow. Um, because a book cover is also like so important. I mean, to, you know, kind of like get somebody to pause and be like, ooh, what's that? You know, so important. And it looks amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it, it really was just born out of like maybe control issues. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I want to do this all by myself. And I really, that's a hurdle that I need to get over because, you know, collaboration is also such a beautiful thing. It is. Um, but but I, I, I get what like you're saying. It yeah. It's like, it does take time to find collaborators that share your vision so I, I get why you're Absolutely, keeping it yeah. close to home yeah um but also I'm I'm a puzzler I like to do like the New York Times crossword puzzle and stuff um so I kind of view each new thing as a new puzzle to figure out um so I'm kind of of the opinion that people can do anything if they just sit down and try to do it um and if you dedicate enough time to it and enough effort um, because, you know, I also didn't sit down in a day and know how to put this book out. Right. Um, which is a really important distinction because I think a lot of people get knocked out in those early stages um, because we, you know, at this day and age, we love instant gratification. So when something's not immediately coming to us, we tend to like quit. I'm like majorly, I do that all the time. Oh, for, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so I think that the the biggest component is in actually getting these things done is just being willing to stick out the hard parts mm -hmm. um, and, like, be understanding with yourself as things get difficult. Um, yeah, so my oh, my process, I got off track. <laughs> no, 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 but, but all that was so important to bring up because 
I'm positive there's people listening to this that are like, I want to write a book. And just like you said, the the commitment isn't there, I guess, necessarily. They, they get freaked whenever they experience like a roadblock and just drop it. So I'm glad you said yeah, that. Yeah, well, because from the outside looking in on somebody else's writing career, it can look like, well, they just knew how to do it and they just did it. Yep. So because I don't just know how to do it and I am not able to just do it, um, this is not a place for me and there's no space for me in this, in this area. Um, but that's absolutely not true. I think that you can, especially like this day and age with the amount of resources on the internet and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. we are, we are more capable than ever to put something beautiful together and, and have our voice heard and, and be, um, you know, and, and be the person that we see ourselves as in our heads. Yes. I love that. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> um, that's such an important thing for people to hear. Uh, I mean, you are a prolific writer. Do you yes. ever experience any sort of like writer's block or is it always just kind of <laughs> yeah. like flow? Okay. How do you deal with it? How do you deal with the block? You know, like how do you ease the, the issue there? The age old question. I know. How do you deal with writer's block? <laughs> um, so for me, um, I generally find inspiration in everything. Um, so that's the music that I listen to is all, all my playlists are like geared towards my novel right now. And, um, you know, I have a whole separate Pinterest account for looking at inspiration. And, How cool um, is that? I mean, that to me, that's using I, social media to its maximum advantage. That's really smart. Oh, yeah. I follow on Instagram all these writing tips pages. Um, basically, I saturate my life in writing. Um probably to an unhealthy amount, <laughs> but I do. It's a means it's like, to an it's end. It's like I live, breathe and sleep writing um, and reading. I, I read um, in the genre that I want to write in um, because a, a lot of creation and writing is really just um, comes from inspiration from other sources of uh, that media. Mm-hmm. So, so like the Ackwell Chronicles came from Star Trek, you know, <laughs> um, I think the best way out of writer's block is to just saturate yourself in writing um, and then give yourself the grace to relax and not write for a little while. Um, I had major writer's block on my novel that I'm working on um, for like, I didn't write anything on it for about two months. Oh, wow. Um, and it was killing me. I was like constantly like, why can't I think of anything? Um, but it really just came in me like letting it go for a second and being like, I'll continue to listen to my playlist for it. I will continue to read sci-fi. Um, I will continue to gather inspiration and write them down in lists. Um, and then when I feel it hit me to write, I will sit down and write. Yes. Um, so I think that writer's block is a thing and it's not necessarily as big of a problem as we, we tend to paint it as writers because it's very frustrating for us. Right. But <laughs> um, I think that the, the best way around writer's block is to just sort of allow it to run its course oh I love that not to just not to struggle against it or resist it but to just kind of yeah it's kind of like a rip current you just gotta let it take you for a little bit and then yep you'll get back to shore yes yeah because I don't think it never crossed your mind like that you weren't gonna pick it back up like you knew you were oh you were yeah no it... I'm not gonna drop anything yeah <laughs> like I said I'm too I get too obsessed with my ideas too drop them completely. They're always going to live in a file on my computer until I'm ready to get back there. Um, but yeah, I think don't let it spook you. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that's a good one. And, um, I, I, again, I just think it's so amazing that you're just kind of like, I, I'm never going to let that idea drop. Like I just, 
it's too important to me to to let it drop. Mm. Like you really prioritize what's important to you. So sci-fi, the unlikely genre that you are right. are thriving in. So what is it about sci-fi? Because I can't like I'll read sci-fi sci-fi novels, and a lot of it can be very technical, like with the you know, um, well, literally the technology that they're talking about that mm-hmm. doesn't actually, ex- you know, they're, ma- they're making it up and like languages and yeah. races and all that kind of stuff. So what was it about that? Because to me, that is a more, and this is just my opinion, right? Is a more challenging <laughs> genre to jump into, but you're like, this is what I'm doing. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be really good at it and have a really good time doing it. And it's amazing. So like, what was it about sci-fi, you know, that like pulled you in? Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't think I was going to be really good at it. <laughs> um, and I'm still on the fence about that. Uh, but um, yeah, so there are actually, um, and this is just such a tiny distinction, but there are two types of sci-fi, hard mm-hmm. sci-fi and soft sci-fi. Okay. Um, and what you're describing with the technological stuff and yes. the science, actual science and math in it yes. is hard sci-fi. Okay. Um, I write a little bit more of soft sci-fi, okay. so it's got a little bit more of a the element um it's lot it holds a lot less to reality but i love that though (laughs) but but because to me that opens up the door more for people who have like these Mm -hmm. really fantastic stories to share but don't necessarily have you know know the laws of physics so they can make a a realistic description of whatever you know what i mean that's a yeah i don't know i'm an i'm getting an english degree i don't know anything about all of that stuff it's a lot that's Um, why i'm like sometimes i read them and i'm like wow like i don't know if you ever read dune but dune is like oh boy uh i I have read the first couple of chapters of Dune. Yeah, it it was like I had to like completely alter my mindset to and I loved it once I finally was able to do that. But like, man, this is a lot. Like whoever writes this must like really it's, know their science. It's heavy on the description of the spikes yes. in the setting. Yes, bi- <laughs> which is big fine. time. Yeah, for, for <laughs> sure. But no, but thank you for you know uh differentiating between soft and hard sci-fi because i didn't know that yeah okay yeah and soft sci-fi sort of holds more towards the uh, social aspect okay of the setting so um like oftentimes like um if it deals with like a political war or like um like cultural differences things like that will okay. be like a, a soft sci-fi uh, more than like the like tron legacy or something like right. that that's dealing with like technology i do um, like tron though <laughs> yeah that, i know that's so good right yeah tron is good <laughs> Uh, my husband's going to um, crack up when he hears this because he's like a Tron fan, like hardcore. But oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, I need to watch that again. I know what I'm doing later now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I got into sci-fi because um, I like to write action, um, but I'm not interested in fantasy personally. I don't read any fantasy. Um, it just doesn't really interests me it's very long-winded I find and it tends to be uh, just not something that I'm interested in um but I always loved like Star Trek and I loved Marvel and I've loved um like specifically like the X-Men movies like same oh my gosh (laughs) yes I love like the first class and like the prequels I guess you could call them I love those oh yeah they're so good they are so good (laughs) but um yeah I just love that like almost cheesy sci-fi um and I just wanted to have that sort of nostalgic, otherworldly feel to my work. So, um, oh, and I also just love the creativity that it allows because you can do a lot more and create a whole world and whole species and, and 
it doesn't come off as weird because it's sci-fi. It's all normal there. Right. So you can kind of just put whatever you want into a sci-fi novel and it's, it comes out fun. Um, but I also liked that uh, in that sort of creativity, you can tell real important stories in a way that's sort of lighter. Yes. So when I'm talking about um, my novel, my sci-fi novel deals heavily with the topic of disability um, and disabled people in their place in, in society. Um, but I'm able to do that in that novel without it feeling quite as um, heavy and quite as, uh, you know, in, in today's terms. And so sort of defamiliarizing it, I think really paints the picture of what I'm trying to say. Um, because when we look at things in today's terms and the way that things are now in our reality, um, we're blinded to certain things because we are looking at it through the lens of us. But when you take something and put it in a different uh, setting with different people in a different time and a different place, suddenly things become a lot clearer. Yes. Um, and I think that's what's really interesting to me about sci-fi is the way that you can paint a picture um, by defamiliarizing it. Okay, that has to be like the most thorough answer ever like so good and like you had mentioned before like everything you do is intentional and like mm -hmm. yes like that that is so clear my entire conversation with you um you know the the choices that you make the directions that you go um when it comes to your writing Hallie you're amazing I uh, you're j just so incredible I'm internally thank grateful. you so much so are you thank you I mean with the fact that I even got <laughs> to share this time with you at all I'm just I mean, very, very grateful and just so excited, you know, for this novel coming up. Like I'll be keeping an eye out for anybody that's listening. Oh, for sure. I'll send you one. Oh my God. No, well, no. I, okay. I'm a firm, firm that I will not take stuff like that from the locals. <laughs> I will purchase a novel, but if you okay, let me know okay. when it comes out, please. Oh, I'm so bad about that. People get on me because I'll just give people free copies. No, of my book all the time. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's just... certain people, like, of course, be like, hey, gift, you know, close friends, family, whatever. Yeah. Um, no, I'm gonna buy a novel, and anybody else listening, buy the novel. And uh, okay. also, um, do you mind if I if we give out your Instagram handle, or do you prefer to keep that private? Oh yeah, go for it. I'm the same on Instagram and Twitter. Okay, so it's at Hallie M Castro. Okay. And that's Hallie with an I. Um, yeah. yeah so there, L -L -I. Yeah. And so there's <laughs> a, um, there's a link in her profile. And from there you can read the, uh, Acowell Chronicles. You can access, uh, Amazon, the, her, uh, poetry book on Amazon. Um, there's also that really great campfire writing article that it was a really good article. Um, also stuff about like poetry fest and, and all, all kinds of stuff. So, so give her a follow and check it out. And, um, Hallie, I can't wait to see what you do next. And thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Absolutely.